Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. Over the years, many of the women of our world have been thought of being nothing more than a physician. He thought of her as nothing more than that, no doubt. That he could order to do whatever he wanted to do. But if there is anything that the Lord has taught us, that he has taught us that, that women are equal with men and not to be treated as physicians. And it is certainly a tremendous blight upon our society today when a man thinks that he owns his wife. In the terms that he can tell her where to go and when to go and what to do and what not to do, when to come back and whether she has any money and all of those things. There is no distinction made uh, between male and female in, in that terminology. There certainly are differences of responsibilities in order that they might be equal and that they might present themselves as a union of, of one so that that when one speaks, they both speak. It is a terrible blight that when a man and woman speaks today, oft times it's speaking with two different voices and not the one voice. And yet they were to become one place, the scripture tells us, and speak as one, certainly act as one. It ought to be possible that when one one of the people in the union speaks, it ought to be the same voice as if the other had spoken. And yet it is not because we have not yet liberated women to the position that the Lord had elevated them to, and we tried to keep them in servitude. And you know all of the, the studies that have been made that women doing the same job don't make the same money. Women have been prohibited from engaging in certain occupations, and only recently is that breaking down. And we have the tremendous uh, this revolution going on, the women's lib movement, in which women are still having to fight for equal rights when it has certainly been granted to them by our Lord uh, many, many hundreds of years ago. There's one danger, I think, that women are perhaps not recognizing, and I'm not sure that all women want equal rights, because with equal rights becomes equal responsibilities, and that creates a problem. Certainly, in my mind, I do not see that there should be equal responsibilities, though when it comes to to being perfectly honest and above board, I cannot argue that they should not have equal responsibilities with equal rights. It reminds me of the story or the the little thing in the, the funny paper with Dagwood when, you know, they carpool and... It was the lady's turn to drive in the carpool, and she was, was expounding on the subject of equality, that women ought to have the same, same rights and privileges and equality with men, and the car had a flat tire, and her car, and so the men just stood around with their hands folded, and she said, well, you surely don't want me to change that tire, do you? Uh, you see, she had broken down her argument quickly. She didn't really mean that she wanted total equality. Only to a point. Well, be that as it may, let's let's get back back to Esther. 
Uh, Vashti, the queen, refused to abide by the order of the king. It could have cost her her life in those days. She refused to come. It embarrassed the king drastically, and he wanted to know, what should I do with the queen for being so brash as to refuse to appear when I ordered her to do so? And some of the princes that were around said, now we just simply can't have this. If the queen gets by with it, every woman in this kingdom's going to try it, and they're going to start saying, look what the queen did, we'll do the same thing. And they're saying, we're going to lose control if we allow the queen to get by. All husbands will be despised by their wives. That is, in other words, they won't obey any of us if you let her get by with that. So get rid of her as queen. That was the essence of it. In uh, verse 20, uh, 19 of the first chapter. And so there was a hunt on now. Uh to find a new queen. I want you to look at verse 20 and verse 22 before we leave it there in chapter 1. The arguments, the rationale behind the decision to get a new queen, the latter portion of verse 20, the princes were saying that all the wives shall give to their husband's honor both great and small if you get rid of her and you get see that you're not going to put up with that and get a new queen. All the wives will start on their husband if you do that. And down in verse 22, every man should bear rule in his own house. And that is a sermon in itself, and I suspect that we cannot at all uphold that statement. That was not made with the intention of saying that every man should rule his own house. If you want to interpret every word of the Bible literally, then you will find this statement that every man should bear rule in his own house. And that was not spoken. Uh, in the words of the Lord, that was spoken by a prince who was saying we need to get rid of the queen. So you see that we, we have a problem. We won't take every word literally. All right. Now, so all the girls eligible all over the kingdom were brought in to be prepared and, and fixed up and hairdos and clothes and, and their diets and all this stuff was taking place. And one of those that was in the group was this little girl named Esther. Esther happened to be an orphan girl. He was, she was being raised by her cousin Mordecai, Mordecai's uncle's daughter. Verse 7, and he brought up Hadashah. There's the word Hadashah. That is Esther, his uncle's daughter who was very fair and beautiful. And Mordecai had become her father and her mother after the death of her parents. He took her as his own daughter. So Esther is in the group. Nobody knows that she is a Jew. And Mordecai, over in verse 11, is very concerned about what's going on. He walks back and forth before the court of the women every day, wondering what's going on inside. Well... Verse 17, the time comes that uh, Esther is selected as the woman to be the queen. And she was obtained grace and favor of the king and, and certainly was made the queen. Now, verse 19 tells us that Mordecai, her cousin with whom she lived, 
sat in the king's gate. That is, he was somewhere within the government hierarchy. He was a part of the political scene. He had a position. Down in verse 21, Mordecai in his position heard two of the king's chamberlains, they're given there by name, who were thinking in terms of overthrowing the king. They're going to assassinate him if possible. And Mordecai brings this idea to Queen Esther and asks Esther to tell the, the king what is about to happen with two of his people. And the long and the short of it is those two guys were executed. And verse 23, this whole episode was written in the book of the Chronicles. In other words, it went in the court record. This becomes important a little bit later. All right, now we shift gears in chapter 3. The king promoted one of his men, the name of Haman, and put him in a, the highest position. The, he was commander-in-chief of everybody in the, in the government. And regardless of who it was, he was in charge of them all. This promotion went to the head of Haman, and he set in motion the episode that everybody who was in the government, when they met him, had to bow down to him. All the princes and the leaders of the people would bow down to Haman, except Mordecai, who refused to bow to him. He bowed to nobody but Jehovah. And this made Haman very, very angry. And he figured out that he was going to get rid of that man, whatever it took, and he decided he would not only get rid of him, but he would get rid of all of the Jewish people and the whole nation. Anywhere within the bounds of the control of the king would be put to death. And he went to the king and said, King, there is a group of people scattered over your whole uh, kingdom that, that, are, uh, that have laws different than our laws. And they are a problem and a trouble to us. And they are hard on your, your prophet. I would suggest that you write an order that all of the Jewish people, does it sound familiar to German days? All of the Jewish people within the kingdom will be executed on one given day in the year. Twelfth month, and I've forgotten the day. It's there somewhere in uh, 13, I think. Thirteenth uh, day, was it? Thirteenth day of the twelfth month. Every Jew is to be executed. The king uh, signed the order. In the laws of the Medes and Persians, once an order was written, it never could be taken back. So, the order went out, and on uh, by carriers from from the the uh, palace to every portion of his entire kingdom of a hundred and what we say ninety provinces went out riders with an order on the thirteenth day of the twelfth month. Every Jew is to be executed. <coughs> Women, children, men, the whole bit. The nation was to be wiped out within the, within the kingdom on the order that could not be reversed of the, of the king. Well, when the Jews heard all of this over in chapter 4 and verse uh, 3, they went into mourning. Certainly they would. 
they're all under orders now to be executed. There was fasting and weeping and wailing, and, and they sat in sackcloth and ashes as a means of mourning. And uh, Mordecai got a copy of the order and took it to the queen, Esther, and showed it to her down in verse 8. And he instructed her that she should take this order to the king and intercede in behalf of her nation. And her first reaction was, well, look, I can't do that. The king has not even called me into his presence for 30 days to be called into the king's presence without, uh, to, to go into the king's presence without being called could suffer uh, the person's severe penalty and even death as far as it's concerned. And, uh, and Mordecai pleads with her, and down in verse 14, some of the more famous words in all the scripture that we ought to know, uh, down in the middle of verse 14, he says, Who knoweth that whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? There is no way for you or for me to really know if we have been placed in a given position at a given time in history for a specific purpose, God only knows. It is our responsibility to be ready and prepared to do what we believe God has called us to do under the circumstances that have been given to us. And Mordecai makes it plain to her, Esther it may very well be that you have been placed in history at this very time to keep alive your nation. And you fail that, you have failed God's purpose for you in life. There it was. <clears throat> Verse 16, she gives her answer. Go gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan. And fast ye with me, and neither eat nor drink for three days, night and day, not to touch a drop of food, nor any water even, for three days. And I and my maidens will fast likewise. What are they going to be doing during that time? The praying. So will I go in unto the king, whether it is, a, uh, which is not according to the law, and then the famous words, and if I perish, I perish. That's our only obligation, is to fulfill God's assignment to us, regardless of our personal welfare, needs, or feelings, to do as God has instructed us to do. And if we die, we die. See, we place too much importance on staying alive. There have been more people who have accomplished more in life by dying than they ever did by living. You probably can name many of those. All right, quickly, we've got to hurry. My goodness, we've got to hurry. Chapter 5. Esther goes in before the king and asks for, uh, and he asks her what she wants. She said, I want you to come. You and Haman, I want you to come to a feast that I prepared banquet I prepared, verse 4. So they come. And at the banquet, uh, the king says to her again, well now, what is it that you want? And she said, well, I want you to come tomorrow night for another banquet. At that time, I'll tell you what I want. 
And now Haman is really being built up. His importance is going to his head, and he goes home and tells his wife, uh, Zeresh, verse 10, if you want another woman's name, uh, and all of his children, how he's been promoted, why even the queen has invited him to sit with the king at a banquet that she specifically herself prepared for them. I'm really something. There's only one problem. That guy, Mordecai, won't bow to me, and that spoils all of my fun. And his wife said, prepare a gallows and hang the man on and go on to the feast. So the, the gallows were prepared, and uh, Mordecai, Mordecai was to be hanged on them in the latter portion of verse 14. But that night, the king has trouble sleeping, and he calls for the court records to be read to him of all things, light reading in the middle of the night, verse 1 of chapter 6, and the the scribe who was reading them read a portion of it where Mordecai had saved his life by divulging the names of those two people who were going to kill him. And the king says, what have we done to compensate Mordecai for this kindness? And the scribe said, we haven't done anything. So, what are we up against now? But the king says to the scribe, well, who is there in the court right now? And at their, that very point in time, Haman walked into the king's courtyard, and the scribe said, well, Haman is here. And so the king says, well, bring Haman in. And Haman comes in before the king, and the king says, Haman, if you were going to honor somebody in your kingdom that you wanted to honor with the greatest honor, what would you do for him? And Haman thought it was going to be him that would be honored. Well, I would uh, take the king's clothing and his crown and put it on him, and I'd put him on the king's own horse himself, and I would have some fine person in your kingdom, one of your princes, lead this horse through the city and proclaim Mordecai, or, or proclaim whoever it is, and be Mordecai. Haman, of course, didn't know it. Haman thought it was going to be him. And the king said, hey, I like that idea. All right, Haman, I want you to lead the horse, and I want Mordecai on his back. Oh, Haman went home humiliated and crying and moaning and groaning and covered his head at this humiliation. And the announcement came that he was to go to the queen's banquet. And so he and the king show up at the queen's banquet. And then Esther divulges what she had in her mind and told the king that one person in his kingdom had ordered the execution of herself and all her people. And the king was surprised at this because he really didn't understand what he signed. He said, who's done this? And the queen said, Haman. And Haman begins to moan and groan and the king goes out on the foyer to think about a little bit and comes back in and and I'll leave out part of the story. And he orders the execution of Haman. And they took Haman out and hanged him on the very gallows that was prepared for Mordecai. The king took off his ring and put it on uh, that he had put on Haman's hand, and he gave it to Mordecai. 
he put fine clothing upon Mordecai. And then the queen asked that there might write letters reversing the order that Haman had given. The problem was that once a Persian king had written an order, there was no way to reverse it. You could not undo his order. What were they going to do? On the 13th day of the 12th month, every Jew was going to die at the orders of the king. He does not now want that done. He wants to honor and reverence the uh, Mordecai and his queen Esther. And so they develop and devise another order that Mordecai was given to carry out by the, by the king's signature. They were to send out an order by carrier on every means possible all over the land that every Jew would arm themselves and fight against their executioners. And this the order went out. And the Jews would no longer take their execution without fighting to the death. And the last verse of the 8th chapter where we will conclude is very interesting. In every province, in every city, whithersoever the king's commandment and his decree came, the Jews had joy and gladness, a feast and a great day, then I want you to notice that many of the people of the land that is the Medo-Persian Empire became Jews, for fear of the Jews fell upon them. All of a sudden, everybody was glad to become a Jew. Tremendous, there's the proselyte word that we talked about Wednesday night. They became proselytes to the Jewish faith because they were afraid of Jewish people. Look at what position in the preservation of the Jewish nation one girl had who put her life on the line and said, you pray for me and I will go and if I die, I die. I don't think you can ask for more dedication than that. Nor do I find, think you can find a person who is greater in the preservation of the nation that brought our Lord into this world, then we find in this person Esther, who if she were alive today in our midst, we would call her murder. Let us pray. Thank you, Lord, for a tremendous testimony in the life of a young lady who loved you enough, and her people enough, to put her life on the line to save them. Thank you for a tremendous illustration of what it means to be faithful to the God we serve. Lord, we thank you for women of all ages both Old Testament and New, and in ancient history as well as in modern time, who have been the great people of our land, who have molded and made our nation what it is. As we look at the women of the Bible in the coming weeks, may we have a fresh experience with you 
as we see their lives, may we have some reflection of that same spirit in our life. We pray in Christ's name. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.com sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.